All right, we are back for the week three preview with the Sporting Intelligence crew. I'm Ethan Weiss. I'm joined, as always, by Pat Higgins. Pat, we're through two weeks. It's been an exciting two weeks of football, to say the least. How are we feeling headed into week three? Yeah, two weeks down, full. Still got a full season ahead of us. It's been uh, it's been a great season so far, and looking forward to a great week three slate coming up. A lot to talk about. Oh yeah, we're gonna get into some flowers, uh, a new new award uh, being new handed award. out every week by Pat ex- that we'll get to. I'm excited uh, we'll about this more, one. Uh, yeah, this should be a good one. A uh, little buy or sell, and then we'll get into the week three preview. Um, but before we do, just want to remind everybody listening out there to head on over to sporting-intelligence.com to get all of uh, your matchup analysis, information, tools, etc. that you will need to beat the books with player props, sides and totals, as well as beating your friends, family, randos on the internet, whoever it may be in your fantasy league. Get an edge on them at sporting-intelligence.com and check us out on Twitter at sport i-n-t-e-l-l-g-n-c-e we'd love to hear your comments on the show on any of the content we're putting out there on any features you would like to see on the website so give us a follow there as well uh pat it was an exciting week too where are you giving your flowers this week yeah we're going to rewind all the way back to thursday night uh for the eagles vikings games and i'm going to give my flowers to deandre swift Eagles offense was sputtering to start a little bit early. Uh, they're still trying to work out some kinks uh, with Shane Steichen gone, coaching the Indi- Indianapolis Colts. Pass game was not working, you know, fully effectively on the first couple drives. Eagles turned the switch, looked back to, you know, what they did well last season, which is run the ball directly down their opponent's throats. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell was out week two against Minnesota, which gave DeAndre Swift big opportunity to seize the moment in his homecoming game deandre swift is a a a philly kid out of st joe's prep went down to uga and now um you know back in philly but eagles turned the switch and and basically just imposed their will on the minnesota vikings deandre swift finished with 175 yards and one touchdown on 28 carries um little interesting funny tidbit for anybody who is you know aware of like the philly uh uh football philly philadelphia high school football circuit DeAndre Swift was asked after the game, has he ever, um, you know, played this well against a particular opponent? He said, every time we play LaSalle, LaSalle's another all-boys prep school, um, you know, in the Philly area, uh, big rivalry between LaSalle and St. Joe's prep. If you look at the last game that DeAndre Swift played against LaSalle, rushed for 275 yards and change and seven touchdowns. So shout out to DeAndre Swift. Uh, yeah, I mean, 275 and seven tuds. I don't know if... Uh, it's like Derrick Henry numbers back in high school. Derrick Henry yeah. high school highlights are unbelievable. I mean, look, that that's some efficient running. I, I don't know that his Thursday night performance necessarily stacks up to that, but it was a good one nonetheless. Got the Eagles, the W, uh, moves them to 2-0. and uh, My flowers this week are going to the Bills offense as a whole. Uh, Buffalo, obviously... You know, this was a huge spot on short rest coming off a Monday night football game, trying to avoid an 0-2 start after that super weird week one loss. Um, You know, obviously a tough week for Josh Allen in week one uh, with four turnovers, probably costing the the Bills that win um, after Aaron Rodgers went down. 
And the offense came out firing on all cylinders in this one. Uh, they looked a lot more like what we expect from a Super Bowl contender like the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the Bills gained 450 yards on offense uh, with extremely good balance, 37 passes to 35 rushes. It's pretty rare in today's NFL. Uh, they turned the ball over a total of zero times, controlled possession for 40 minutes, which is absolutely unheard of. And they converted five of seven red zone trips into touchdowns. Um, that's efficient offense scoring 38 points. You're not going to lose a lot of games in the NFL. So big flowers to the Bills offense. Yeah, absolutely. Great bounce back spot for the uh, the Buffalo Bills at home. They did what they had to do and, um, you know, ran, ran the Las Vegas Raiders out of town on Sunday. Look, as someone who picked the Bills to win the Super Bowl before the season started, uh, week one was a little concerning. This one made me feel a little bit better. Um, and, I mean, anytime you got Josh Allen out there, you got a chance to have some explosive games on offense. And, obviously, the Raiders' defense was a very nice matchup for them. Um, so it was good to see them get that done. Uh, but let's move on, Pat, to uh, an award that we are going to be giving out weekly. Um, will you please explain to myself and the listeners uh, the origin of the Mr. Big Chest Award? Yeah, this is one I'm really excited to implement this year. It's This is going to be the Mr. Big Chest Award. Uh, the great Antonio Brown back in 2019 infamously wanted his nickname to be changed from AB to Mr. Big Chest. And you can't, like, anytime you try to self-appoint your own nickname, it doesn't go over well. But Mr. Big Chest is one of one of the best nicknames, self-appointed nicknames That's of all time. time. <laughs> so every week we're going to be we're going to be looking at, you know, it can be on a micro level. You know, somebody performed like Mr. Big Chest in week three or if we're looking over in a more macro sense, we're going to be be given out the Mr. Big Chest award on a go forward basis this season. So. The inaugural winner of the Mr. Big Chest Award on the Sporting Intelligence Steady Picks podcast in week three of 2023 goes to Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has taken... Yeah, way to go. Way to go. Really proud of you, Lamar. Let's climb it this up guy, now. Let's climb it up. This, this guy has taken a lot of criticism over the last two years and, frankly, over the course of his entire career, uh, you know, for good reason. Like, he tried, he failed or struggles to stay healthy. He doesn't have a ton of playoff wins, but he's never had a really great receiving core represented himself in the off season, got a, uh, you know, max contract reset the, the bag. Uh, he got the bag, reset the market. Basically he and his mother were representing Lamar Jackson, got the bag, probably could have gotten it done a while ago, but got the bag. Now he's got a great receiving core. And, you know, there was all this talk about the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, Kenny Pickett won the preseason MVP award, you know, Cleveland Browns look pretty good in week one, but Who's 2-0 and atop the AFC North? It's Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Week two, going on the road into Cincinnati, finished with 237 yards passing, no turnovers, two passing touchdowns, 52 yards rushing on the road, down two starting offensive linemen and J.K. Dobbins. Um, you know, I voiced my opinion earlier in the preseason when we were talking with Dalton Cates. I think Baltimore is, you know, a pretty, pretty balanced and elite roster on both sides of the ball. And Lamar's been, you know, pushing the ball downfield to Mark Andrews and uh, Zay Flowers. And um, all things considered, I'm, I'm happy that Lamar Jackson got the bag and hopefully he can stay healthy this year. I don't think anybody has any issues with how he plays weeks one through 10. It's when all the, the hits pile up and, you know, you get into week 12 and he tweaks an ankle. But uh, inaugural Mr. Big Chest Award for a number of different reasons is going to Lamar Jackson. Congratulations, Lamar. 
Yeah, b- big ups to uh, Lamar Jackson for this one. Um, an award he will surely never forget and surely be right up on his trophy case next to his MVP award. Um, so, yeah, congrats to Lamar. Excited for some more Mr. Big Chest awards as the season goes on. Obviously, you know, a huge win for the Ravens um, in terms of, you know, trying to steal that division away from from the Bengals um, of the last couple of years. Uh, let's dive into a little buy or sell, Pat. Uh, this will be the buy or sell two and O team edition. Uh, so we're going to go through the two and O teams. There are, I believe nine of them left undefeated after week two. Um, and we're going to buy or sell some of these teams. So, you know, I'm going to go through, we're going to take five of them off the board because I assume we're both buying them just like everybody else. Nobody's unique in this group. Uh, those five that we're going to eliminate are the Ravens, Eagles, Niners, Cowboys, and Dolphins. I don't know that you know we have many bad things to say about the way that those five teams has opened up their season. Uh, so we're going to move on to one that's a little bit more interesting. Uh, we're going to start buy or sell the two and zero Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the Falcons entered um, enter this week against Detroit two and zero after taking down the Packers. Uh, in week two behind a monster performance from Bijan Robinson. Pat, you buying or selling the Atlanta Falcons? I'm buying the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, you know, we talked about it in the preseason, but the Falcons know exactly who they are. They have a great offensive line. They got a great stable of running backs, and they're committed to running the ball. And, you know, Green Bay, Green Bay had weaknesses in the running game in 2022 and thus far in 2023, and the Falcons imposed their will on the ground against the the Packers in week two, I think they rushed for, you know, between 180 and 200 yards. The exact number is escaping me, but they have, you know, talented players all over, um, you know, the ball on the offensive side of the field. They improved their secondary, uh, you know, through two weeks. They're ranked 10th in EPA per play, third in yards per play allowed, second in passing yards per game allowed, fourth in explosive passing plays allowed. They're a little bit weak in the run game, but, you know, they're not allowing their opponents to get to the red zone. Granted, they played the Carolina Panthers in week one, but great win, great comeback win, you know, scoring 13 unanswered points at home in the fourth quarter against Green Bay. So I'm buying Atlanta. Uh, Yeah, I'm a buyer on this team as well. Um, you know, I, I think B. John's is special and, and with the improvements on the defensive side, like you talked about, um, you know, obviously they've started out with, you know, playing Bryce Young and, and Jordan Love, not exactly a gauntlet of quarterbacks there that they've had to face, but played good pass defense nonetheless. And it's still the NFL. Um, I'm obviously worried about, you know, Desmond Ritter and, and the passing game. Um, but a big reason I'm buying this Falcons team is because of the schedule. Uh, they still get games against the Houston Texans, against Zach Wilson and the Jets, against the Arizona Cardinals, my Arizona Cardinals, not very good. Uh, they get the Panthers again. They still have the Colts and Chicago, who stinks, I guess. Um, and then all they got to do is steal one or two away from Tampa and New Orleans in those those four matchups, and and they can sneak their way to a division title. So I'm, I'm in on the Atlanta Falcons as well. Um, and I have a feeling we're going to be talking a lot more about Bijan Robinson as this as this year goes on. Um, all right, two buys to start. Um, we're going to run the gauntlet down the NFC South here uh, because we got three two and O teams in the South. Uh, next up is the two and O Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, obviously, a dominant Week One win, or excuse me, a Week One win over the Vikings, a dominant Week Two win over the Bears. Um, the Bucks are two and O under Baker Mayfield. 
you know, after entering the season uh, with talks of a Mike Evans trade, uh, being a contender for the number one overall pick, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Here they are, two and zero, buying or selling the Tampa Bay Bucks. I'm going to sell the Tampa Bay Bucks at two and zero. Look, I'm I'm happy that Baker, you know, might have an opportunity to uh, reinvent himself in you know sort of the mid stage of his career when things were sort of looking down for him. Um, but you know, Tampa Bay, I think had the, had the benefit of playing the extremely overrated Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings in week one credit to them. Tampa went on the road and, you know, got a win, but I, I think they did what they were supposed to do last week at home against, uh, the Chicago bears that have a terrible front seven and a really bad secondary Baker Mayfield threw for over 300 yards and one touchdown. Looks like he's got a great connection with Mike Evans, but I don't think this team's going to do very well running the ball when you're playing, you know, the the elite teams in the in the NFC. You got obviously New Orleans, twice on the schedule. They, they got the Eagles this week. Um, I, I think that the 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 pass protection for the Bucks is going to be an issue going forward when the Bucks have to line up against some of the better pass rushes in you know the NFC and across the league. I think Brady really. Um, you know, covered that up a lot in his tenure in Tampa, getting the ball out very quickly. And, um, you know, time will tell how how Baker, how quickly Baker can get the ball out. On the defensive side of the ball, I think they have issues in the secondary. Granted, they're they're a little banged up in the first couple of weeks. They have a great front seven. They defend the run very well. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're 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 tying your boat to Baker Mayfield. And history has shown us that that's not necessarily the best bet on a long term basis. Yeah, I'm going to sell the Bucks here too, but for slightly different reasons. I, I think the defense has been, you know, solid so far, but they ranked 26th in pass yards per game, and they had to face, they got to face, I should say, Justin Fields. Um, so, you know, that's going to bring your average down. They got absolutely shredded by Kirk Cousins on a on a yards basis, and and you know, the Vikings turned the ball over a few kind of weird times uh, during that game, uh, and and the Bucks snuck away with a win. Uh, but I think Baker's been actually okay. Um, I think with this receiving core and, and these weapons around him, he, he's actually looked kind of competent. Um, so I'm I'm more selling the Bucks because I, I just think this could fall apart real quickly. They're playing a first place schedule, and this is a gauntlet run uh, coming up in the middle part of this season for the Bucks. They still have to play the Eagles this week, the Lions, the Buffalo Bills, Tennessee Titans, San Francisco 49ers, all playoff teams last year. They have at Green Bay in December, which is never going to be easy. And they have to play the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, also a playoff team from 2022. I just think, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be too tough of a, of a schedule uh, for the first place Bucks. You know, that was a Tom Brady-led first place Buccaneers team. This is not Tom Brady um, leading this team anymore. I'm going to sell the Bucks as well. All right, so we're we're two for two, uh, thinking the same here, Pat. Let's move on to our third two and zero NFC South team. That is the New Orleans Saints. Um, you know, led by an elite defense and winning the turnover battle, the Saints uh, see themselves at two and zero, winning both of their games by a combined four points over the Tennessee Titans and the Carolina Panthers last night on Monday Night Football. Pat, buy or sell the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, I'm going to buy the Saints, um, you know, not very encouraged by the way that Derek Carr looked last night against the Carolina Panthers. He threw in a triple coverage uh, and missed a bunch of open wide receivers. Obviously, New Orleans was up 11 points late in the fourth quarter and ended up pushing at minus three. Um, but, you you know, I got to stick to my guns. I picked New Orleans to win the NFC South in the preseason. 
Um, and, you know, I think that they have a really elite defense. If you look at, you know, their, their stats down the board, they're third in our defensive efficiency metric, fifth in EPA per play, fifth in yards per play allowed, sixth in, you know, passing yards allowed per game. Uh, they defend the run okay, but, you know, in, in their pass rush is pretty elite. They're top 10 in the league thus far. And these aren't, this isn't like a flash in the pan. Like we, through two weeks, they're, they're flashing in the top 10. They were excellent last year on the defensive side of the ball. And if you got a good defense, you got a chance in this league. And I think that Derek Carr is still going to be, he's going to be settling into this offensive scheme. And at the end of the day, you got Alvin Kamara coming back in week four. You got Chris Olave and Michael Thomas. I think that the offense will figure it out. And if you got a good defense, I think that Derek Carr is slated for success in a weak NFC South. Uh, yeah, we're going three for three here. Um, I'm buying the Saints. This defense is legit. Uh, the Titans last season uh, were one of the best red zone offenses. Um, they finished seventh in red zone touchdown percentage. Uh, they were up in the top five for a lot of the year as Tannehill got hurt. That started to go down. But with Ryan Tannehill, uh, this Titans offense was one of the best in the league last season. And the Saints uh, held them to zero touchdowns on three trips to the red zone in week one. Uh, they were just as stout last week against the Carolina Panthers. This defense is legit. Um, and now that they have Derek Carr, kind of a legit passing game, they got some deep threats between Olave and Rashid Shahid, who's coming on as a legit option there on the offense. They got Kamara coming back from suspension. They still don't have arguably their best offensive weapon. Um, they're sitting here 2-0. and I'm buying the Saints. Um, I'm, I'm right with you there. All right, and last... But not least, our ninth and final 2-0 team, buy or sell, the Washington Commanders. Uh, coming off a spectacular comeback against the Denver Broncos, makes it two such comeback wins in the early part of this season to move Sam Howell and the Commanders to 2-0. Pat, buy or sell, Washington Commanders. I'm selling the Washington Commanders. They're they're playing in uh, NFC East where you got the Eagles and the Cowboys. They still got those four matchups, you know, the rest of the way. Um, you know, they they won on the road in Denver this week against the Broncos. Great win for them. Almost kind of blew it. Russell Wilson threw the Hail Mary, and then there was definitely <laughs> pass interference on that final play. Um, but I'm I'm selling the Commanders. I mean, look, they, they have a great front seven. They've had a great front seven for the last three to four years. They got really, really good players all over their front seven, and I think their defense is going to be really strong. Um, you know, if you look at our dashboards, they're they're in the green and top ten across the board. But you know, at the end of the day, the same issues that have plagued the Commanders over the trailing three to four years still exist. Their pass protection is going to be pretty shaky on a go forward basis. And again, you're playing a schedule where you're playing elite passers, pass rushes in the Eagles and Cowboys four times. And, you know, you got the, the NFC West on this, on the schedule. So you got the 49ers on there as well, you know, through two weeks, the, the commanders are two and zero, but they're 26th in our offensive efficiency rating, 23rd in yards per play, 29th and third down conversions and, you know, 29th in pass protection. So I think it's one of those things like times a flat circle, the commanders are going to have good defense, and I think that the their quarterback play is ultimately going to let them down over the long term in 2023. Yep, four for four here, Pat. I'm also selling. Um, like you said, I think the verdict is sell out on Howell. I'm not out on him yet by any means. Um, I just think, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. Time will tell. Uh, they almost lost to a horrible Arizona team who now after two weeks have blown two leads. And I hope it's because, you know, the Cardinals are tanking for Caleb Williams and or Marvin Harrison and not that we have 
a second Cliff Kingsbury on our hands in uh, Jonathan Gannon, who just wants a team sees anything they're doing for, you know, any period of time in the locker room, they can just fix it and come out and exploit it. Um, so that's, you know, the hope here. Um, they should have lost to the Broncos. Uh, I heard that Sean Payton is seven, was, excuse me, 72 and O in games when a Sean Payton team led by 18 or more points. Uh, they are now 72 and one as the commanders snap that streak. Um, you mentioned how, you know, terrible this offense is on third down in pass protection, et cetera. They still have to face the Buffalo bills, the Eagles twice, the Cowboys twice, the Patriots, the Dolphins, and the Niners. This is not a team equipped to go through that kind of schedule. I'm selling the commanders with you. Um, and that, that, there it is. The conclusion of our buy or sell 2-0 team edition. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, at sport, I-N-T-E-L-L-G-N-C-E. Let us know uh, which of these teams you're buying, which of these teams you are selling. Um, but without further ado, Pat, let's dive in, uh, to the week three preview and we'll kick it off with, uh, a game that we, you know, I think both are extremely looking forward to between two extremely exciting teams. And that is the Atlanta Falcons, uh, the two and O Atlanta Falcons, who we both just bought heading into Detroit, Detroit favored by a field goal at home over under 46 and a half in this one. Uh, Falcons, you know, Lions coming off a overtime loss to the Seahawks in the week one overreaction bowl, as we dubbed it last week. Uh, Bijan Robinson's stellar performance combined with the Detroit defense surrendering 37 points to the Seahawks has led this line on this game to move almost an entire field goal from an opening mark of Detroit minus five and a half down to Detroit minus three, where we sit as of now on Tuesday afternoon, obviously still plenty of time for this line to move further. But both of these offenses have taken on a, a very similar form to their 2022 season through the early part of 2023. Detroit features a dynamic passing attack backed by an elite red zone conversion rate. Uh, they are third in offensive efficiency behind uh, fourth in yards per play rank. They were sixth last year. They are sixth in pass yards per game there they were eighth last year they are third in red zone touchdown percentage they were fourth last year very similar uh in good ways for the detroit lions the falcons continue to rely on their heavy rushing attack leading to a high percentage of drives in the red zone uh while atlanta ranks just 14th in our offensive efficiency metric they are fourth in rush yards per game uh, ninth in percent of drives reaching the red zone and 28th in pass yards per game. A slight improvement from 31st last year, still pretty abysmal uh, with Ritter at the helm. But they face a Detroit defense that's been fairly weak to start the year. They rank 26th in defensive efficiency behind 25th in series conversion rate allowed and 27th in red zone touchdown percentage allowed. Um, while they are ninth in rush yards per game allowed, this may be... Um, you know, a little bit deceiving. They faced Kansas City and Seattle, who both rank bottom 10 in the NFL in rushing rate. Um, Atlanta ranks first, running the ball at, at a 60.2% clip. 
And the Atlanta defense, like we talked about a little bit in the buy or sell segment, has had some bright spots. They ranked 10th in EPA per play allowed. They are fourth in red zone trips per game allowed, and they are fourth in pass yards per game allowed, despite, you know, facing some pretty weak passing attacks. Um, Carolina, 32nd dead last in pass yards per game with Bryce Young through his first two games in the NFL. Uh, They had the eighth highest rush rate in week one. Uh, They also faced Green Bay last week, who is 24th in pass yards per game and has the 10th highest rush rate through two weeks. They will face a very different monster in this Detroit offense this week. Should be very exciting, featuring some of the game's premier young offensive weapons in this one. What do you see in this one, Pat? What do you like here uh, in Detroit this week? Yeah, I'm excited for this game. Too. These are two, obviously, upstart NFC you know, teams that have historically over the trailing, you know, two to three to four years, not necessarily been playoff contenders, but they look like it so far on uh, both sides of the ball. Obviously, Detroit dropped to one and one, but I think, uh, you know, everyone across the league is pretty intrigued by what Dan Campbell's got going there. Um, you know, specific to this matchup, CJ Gardner-Johnson and Justin Houston have already been ruled out for Sunday. So those are two starters on the defensive side of the ball that play, you know, sort of key roles in the the Lions defensive scheme that are going to be out. I am concerned, you know, looking at our dashboard, Detroit, you know, so far through two weeks, ranks ninth in rushing yards per allowed per game, seventh in yards per carry, and eighth in explosive run plays. But Ethan, I think you touched on it. I think that, yeah, obviously they played Kansas City week one. Kansas City is a team that loves to throw the ball and was trying to exploit, uh, you know, Detroit's, you know, secondary that had some question marks and um, you know, again, you're not, if you're the Kansas city chiefs, you're not going to run the ball, you know, 30 times for 200 yards. Uh, you know, in week two, same thing. Seattle's got Jackson Smith and Jigba DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett with Geno Smith, good quarterback playing at that position. What are they going to do? They're going to throw the ball to their playmakers on in, in the passing game. If you look back to 2022, Detroit ranked 29th in the league in rushing yards per game allowed 31st in yards per carry and 24th in explosive runs of 10 plus yards. Um, you know, we touched on it. Atlanta knows exactly who they are. They like to run the ball. They like to, you know, put Cordaro Patterson and B. John Robinson and Tyler Algier in space and, you know, give them opportunities to make some plays. Um, you know, so all that, all that considered, I think that Detroit is not a team that blows anybody out, right? They're always playing, you know, close, highly exciting games. Atlanta, I think at plus three is a great teaser candidate to take from plus three to plus nine. I think that their defense has definitely improved. They held Jordan Love to 150 yards passing. They know who they are on the offensive side of the ball. I think they schemed Desmond Ritter into, you know, some high efficiency passes, Um, but they have great playmakers and they get the ball to their playmakers in space. So I'm going to take the Falcons in a teaser from plus three to plus nine going to pair those guys with the Ravens and Mr. Big Chess playing a quarterback in Lamar Jackson down from minus eight to minus two at home against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, yeah, well, uh, I'll talk about a, a teaser at the end of the show. Our teaser of the week does feature that Ravens game as well. Um, for me in this one, I would love to bet Atlanta passing props against this horrendous Detroit secondary. We cashed in, very heavily on that last year. And I think it's possible again this year um, against Detroit, but I I just can't in this one because Atlanta just refuses to pass the ball um, despite taking, you know, two guys in the last two drafts or three guys, I guess in the last two drafts, offensive guys who catch the ball. Um, 
But I do like Bijan Robinson props overs in this one. I'm going to keep hammering them while they are, you know, reasonably low here early in the year. Obviously, these numbers have not dropped yet. Um, so, you know, this could change and whatnot. But I'm looking at Bijan Robinson over on receptions. This line has been around three and a half, four and a half. Uh, to start the year. He's averaging five catches a game. I'm also looking at his over combined rushing and receiving yards. Uh, like you said, I expect them to, to pound the ball, uh, but also his explosiveness in the pass game um, could be utilized there. So I'm going to look at that combined um, you know, yardage, but they just don't really like letting Ritter throw it deep. Uh, it kind of feels a little bit like Justin Fields, except for the Atlanta offense, has this kind of really strong rushing attack to back that up as well. Um, they've been eager to get Bijan involved in the offense for for obvious reasons. He's unbelievably dynamic, and I'm going to keep betting on that, um, especially this week against a weaker Detroit defense. I think this is a game that that the Falcons are going to have to control the pace to keep the Detroit offense off the field. I would expect them to run it early and often, use Bijan, use their their new uh, you know, weapon in that way. Uh, but I think they're still going to have to or want to use this passing game um, against a weak Detroit secondary that's, you know, um, just allowed a lot of yards. So I'm going to stick with that Bijan prop because uh, he's become one of Ritter's favorite targets uh, to start the year. Yep, I like it. He's a dynamic, explosive player. And if you have a player like that, you know, early in his career, similar to Saquon Barkley in his, you know, first two seasons, you know, you got to get him the ball. Absolutely. So we'll be we'll be riding with Bijan on Sunday. Uh, let's move on to another uh, matchup featuring at least one explosive offense. Um, and that is... The Denver Broncos heading to Miami to face the Dolphins. Uh, Miami favored by six and a half in this one. Over under is 48 and a half. And Denver uh, makes the trip over to the East Coast after blowing a huge first half lead at home to the Commanders uh, in week two to fall to 0-2 to start the year. The Dolphins are coming off a big road divisional win on Sunday Night Football against the Patriots, moving them to 2-0. and to no surprise, um, Miami enters this one with the number one rated offense in our um, offensive efficiency metric through two weeks. They rank first in yards per play, first in early down success rate, first in pass yards per game. They also rank second in series conversion rate and EPA per play. This offense is electric. And they face off against a Denver defense that has really taken a hard fall from glory Uh from last season to start 2023 they ranked 28th in defensive efficiency 29th in epa per play allowed and 24th in red zone touchdown per allow percentage allowed these are all stats that they ranked top 10 in last season so not a good sign uh for the denver broncos on the bright side however uh the broncos offense has shown some signs of life they enter at third in series conversion rate they were 27th last year they enter eighth in yards per play. They were 23rd last year. And they enter fifth in percentage of drives reaching the red zone. They were dead last, 32nd in the NFL in that stat last season. They're still, uh, you know, have this problem where Russ is getting sacked way too much. Uh, he's been sacked nine times through two games. Uh, that That's 27th in the league and not a good recipe for success with Russell Wilson in his current physical state. Um, he's not quite as young and nimble as he once was. 
They will have a favorable matchup against the Miami defense. However, that ranks 24th in defensive efficiency, 30th in series conversion rate allowed, and 30th in red zone touchdown percentage allowed. I'm sure Denver uh, is going to, you know, have their hands full with Tua in this Miami offense um, as Sean Payton looks to avoid starting his Broncos tenure with three straight losses. Pat, what do you like in this one? Yeah, I think you touched on it with the Miami offense. I think that, you know, across the board, again, if you look at our dashboards, they're, they're first, second, or third in a lot of different, you know, categories. If, if you look at it, you know, down the board, I'm just navigating over to it. They rank first in our offensive efficiency metrics, second in EPA per play, first in yards per play allowed, or yards per play gained, excuse me. First yeah, in you can go down the board. Allowed. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're top they're, five they're and top everything. 10. It's, it's lighting up green across the board. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think that Miami's going to have issues moving the ball against this Denver defense that you touched on it is not starting the year so hot. Obviously, Sam Howell, um, you know, played pretty well, um, you know, last week against this defense. And, and you got Denver going across the country off a heartbreaking loss, um, you know, playing down in that Miami humidity. It looks like there might be rain in the forecast, but Florida humidity in late September is is something that, if you experience it, you know it. And if you don't, um, just trust trust me and we everyone who lives in Florida. saw it's... that last year in that Bills game, uh, that weird 21-19 Miami victory over the Bills when Bills players were dropping left and right uh, from it being so hot and humid. So definitely something to look out for. Yeah, so, right. So, and, and you got track stars in, you know, Tyreek Hill. And I know that Jalen Waddell, um, you know, was concussed. So we'll keep an eye on his, you know, health going into this game. But I think, you know, Miami's going to be able to, to move the ball, you know, the way that they want to on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, Sam Howell threw for 300 yards and two touchdowns, 7.7 yards per play in week two. Um, so I'm going to, you know, and to make one more point on the defensive side of the ball, I think that Miami's defense is going to continue to progress, to progress over the course of this season as Vic Fangio continues to, you know, sort of put his stamp on this de defensive scheme. The pass rush got home last week against New England to, uh, you know, got they got four sacks, and Mac Jones threw the ball 40-plus times but only threw for 4.1 yards per attempt. I think this pass rush should have an opportunity to tee off on a suspect Denver offensive line that ranks 27th in sacks allowed and 29th in QB hits allowed, uh, you know, through two weeks. So all that being said, I'm going to tease Miami from minus 6.5 down to minus a half. Uh, I'm going to pair them with Baltimore. We're going to be heavily allocated to Baltimore this week, but I like Miami in a teaser, take them down. Miami wins the game over, you know, a Denver roster that's reeling and an offensive line that's struggling to protect Russ. Yeah, I'm not messing around with teasers in this game. I'm laying the number. I don't care. I think that this should be more than a touchdown. It's sitting at six and a half, which is a great spot to lay it. Um, I, I think the Jalen Waddle uncertainty is the only is the only thing keeping this under a touchdown. And for whatever reason, um, there are not no disrespect to Jalen Waddle, but there are only very few receivers who are worth a half a point against the spread. Um, Waddle is not one of them. So I, I just do not think this is enough points. Um, the Denver defense has been awful. It was the only thing that kept them in games last year. And, you know, they've continued to struggle in the pass rush, which was a weakness for them last year. Um, they were, 23rd in sacks per game last year they're 19th this year um not you know a ton of improvement there uh and we saw how dangerous this offense can be if Tua has time it, it's really the only way to stop this offense because Tyreek Hill is just 
not a guy who it's possible to cover for more than a couple seconds. Um, I, the Broncos offense has shown signs of life, but it's not an offense that I want to play from behind with. Um, they rank 27th in sacks allowed. Like we talked about, they rank 29th in QB hits allowed. Um, you know, we talked about this Miami pass rush that ranks eighth in sacks per game. I just think if Miami gets out to an early lead, this could get out of hand fast. Um, and I don't think it's going to be pretty for the Broncos. Uh, I'm laying the points, not messing around with teasers. Dolphins minus six and a half. Book it. I like it. Speed kills. Let's go Dolphins. All right. Moving on to our next matchup. Uh, we are going to head over to the Los Angeles Chargers heading to Minnesota to play the Vikings. Vikings favored by one at home over under 53 and a half as we sit here on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, this game will feature two of the league's top passing offenses um, in a battle to not fall to 0-3, surprisingly enough. Uh, as both these teams have started their 2023 campaigns with two straight losses. The Chargers fell short uh, in overtime against Tennessee in week two, and that has led this line to move uh, from Chargers minus two on the open to Minnesota minus one. It's crossed zero, obviously not that significant as there's not that many ties. And, you know, we talked about that Atlanta-Denver line moving three points Um but this is less significant than that because it didn't move across a key number like three, uh, like it did in the Detroit Atlanta game. Um, regardless, Minnesota entering this one at seventh in offensive efficiency, 20th in defensive efficiency. Similar story for the Chargers, ranked sixth in offensive efficiency, 29th in defensive efficiency. And I mean, hard to, you know, Hard to praise this Vikings passing offense enough. They've conti continued to build on their success from last season. They ranked second in pass yards per game, fifth in yards per attempt, seventh in red zone touchdown percentage. Obviously some, you know, bad luck in the turnover department to say the least, um, you know, has seen the Vikings start this year dead last in the league uh, with three turnovers per game. They will face a Chargers defense that was 10th in defensive efficiency last season, but has really stumbled out of the gate um, and they rank 30th uh, now entering this one. They are dead last 32nd in yards per play allowed, and they are 28th in red zone trips per game allowed. Uh, obviously, these numbers for the Chargers defense a bit inflated because they did run into the Miami juggernaut offense in week one that we've talked so much about. Um, but the performance against Tennessee was a little less promising, giving up 27 points uh, to the Titans. The Chargers offense has picked up right where they left off. Uh, they rank sixth in EPA per play, third in early down success rate, first in red zone trips per game through two weeks here under Justin Herbert. They match up favorably against a Minnesota defense that, you know, has shown great improvement uh, against the pass. They do rank eighth in pass yards per game allowed and second in explosive pl pass plays allowed. Um, they were bottom two in both of those categories last season. However, they have struggled against the rush uh, ranking 30th in rush yards per game allowed so far. You know, this total being up at 40, 53 and a half, excuse me, tells us all we need to know heading into this one. This should be a fun back and forth offensive shootout. Pat, what do you like in this one? 
Yeah, you touched on it. Um, you know, obviously the the over 53 and a half to 54 tells you everything you need to know about this game, that it's going to be highly entertaining, high scoring shootout. I just, I, I struggle and hesitate to, you know, get to over 54 in today's NFL. I think that, you know, a lot of these defenses with the, uh, the, the benefit that, you know, quarterbacks and receivers get with the, you know, the way the rules have changed are, um, you know, playing a lot of cover two and not, you know, letting, you know, receivers get behind you in the passing game. Um, Ethan, you know, you know, the number, what, what does an average team in the NFL get, um, in terms of possessions per game? It's like between seven and eight, right? It's, it's a very discreet number. It's somewhere around there. It obviously fluctuates between, you know, of course, style yeah. of play, but seven to eight is, is typical. Yeah. So to get to over 54 in today's NFL, it's difficult for, you know, both teams on either side of the ball to convert touchdowns on, you know, more than 50% of their possessions. And that's what you need to, you know, get to over 54. You need four touchdowns from, from either offense to get to 56. So, um, you know, it, it's really yelling at you to take the over, but just can't get there. Um, you know, as a derivative to that, if you look at the way, you know, the Chargers secondary has been to start the season, obviously their rankings are influenced by, to your point, Ethan, the way that the, the Dolphins really exploded out of the gates in week one, two ago and for 466 passing yards. But the Chargers ranked 30, 32nd in passing yards per game allowed and 30th in explosive passing plays allowed through two weeks. Obviously, Tua went for 466, but Tannehill, who's not, you know, the most prolific passer in the NFL, threw for, I think, 266 in week two. 246 for Tannehill last week. 246, but, you know, Ethan, you're going to touch on it, but that's uh, significantly higher than what his, you know, passing yardage number was uh, a season ago. Um, I'm going to be attacking Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, and and Cousins props. I think, Ethan, you'll touch on this in more detail, and and one specifically that I'm going to be looking at is Jordan Addison. Um, you know, he's, he was a highly hyped, you know, draft pick coming into the season, being inserted into an excellent, you know, role in this as the number two receiver in this explosive Vikings offense. And if you can get Addison, you know, in the 50 to 60 yard range, he only caught three balls last week against Philly, but, you know, Philly had issues in the secondary and, you know, he caught, he caught a, a long ball over the top and, you know, went for 72 yards and a touchdown on five targets. Uh, you know, you combine that with the fact that Alexander Madison looks like he has no juice in the run game. Minnesota ranking 32nd in the league in rushing yards per game, 31st in yards per carry at 2.65 yards per carry. That's awful. And, you know, Minnesota also has zero rushes over 10 yards through two weeks. Their only choice, you know, based on what what their, you know, offensive scheme and success has told us through two weeks is going to be to move the ball through the air. Um, you know, so all that being said, obviously the numbers haven't dropped yet, but definitely going to be looking to target Jefferson, Addison, and Cousins props as a derivative to, um, you know, the over in this game, anticipating a high-scoring matchup. Yeah, agreed on you. Uh, the point about the over there is you're not going to find me betting the under with these two offenses, um, but I- I'm laying away. It's just one of those lines that's just too high to ever bet. Um, but yeah, this is a grab bag of Vikings receiving, passing props, whatever you can find against this Chargers secondary that's got shredded so far this year. Um, I'm looking at Cousins over, Jefferson over, Addison receiving yards totals. Um, the Chargers have been horrible. Obviously Miami, you know, we've got a little taste of what the chargers can do against a dynamic passing attack, which is get shredded for 466 yards. And we've got a little taste of what they can do against a not elite passing attack, which is give up 246 yards to Ryan Tannehill, who averaged 211 yards in 12 games last season. Um, 
this passing defense is off to a rough start under Staley this year. Uh, the Vikings rank um, 12th in sacks allowed per game. So they're actually protecting Cousins, uh, you know, decent. Uh, they're 31st in quarterback hits allowed per game. So obviously, you know, Cousins is helping that offensive line out a little bit with the sack numbers. Um, but the Vikings have the lowest rush rate in the league by a wide margin. And when I say wide, I mean, they run the ball at a 23% clip and the next closest team is Pittsburgh at a 30.2% clip. They are 7% below the second lowest rushing rate in the league. They love to just air it out. They love putting the ball in cousins hands. Why wouldn't you, when you have a guy like Justin Jefferson out there catching passes for him, um, for those who like a little bit more risk. Um, I'm going to be throwing a little cheeky alternate lines parlay this year or this week. Um, I'm going to be looking at cousins alternate over 325. I'm going to be looking at Jefferson alternate over 125. Obviously their lines will be up there, but shouldn't be that high. Um, and I'm going to look at Jordan Addison over on his longest reception. Pat, you talked about it a little um, how he has been a great deep threat for this team. He has had receptions of 39 and 62 yards in the first two weeks. Um, I expect that number to come out around 23, 24 and a half. And I'm going to be adding that into my little alternates parlay. Um, we'll update on the odds once those are released. Um, but I think that could be a, a little cheeky correlation play there, betting on this Vikings passing offense. Yeah, I, I like it. We're getting exposure to offensive explosion in this one. As we should, as we deserve. Um, let's head over to a game here. Uh, the fourth game we'll preview. In a game that should probably have, you know, a little bit less offensive explosion. And that's the Pittsburgh Steelers heading to Las Vegas for a bout with the Raiders. Uh, Raiders favored by one and a half over under is 43 and a half in this battle of one and one teams. Uh, the Steelers head to Vegas after scratching and clawing their way to a Monday night football win. Um, prayers up to Nick Chubb after that one, hoping for a speedy recovery there. They will meet the Raiders who just got demolished 38 to 10 by the bills. As we mentioned in the first part of the show, uh, you know, that was a team that was hungry to avoid a two, an O and two start the Buffalo bills, but nonetheless, uh, Pittsburgh enters this one at an abysmal 29th in offensive efficiency after being the talk of the town in the, uh, preseason and 14th in defensive efficiency. The, uh, Raiders are 16th in offensive efficiency and also an abysmal 31st in defensive efficiency heading into week three. The Vegas offense has been overall underwhelming. They rank 26th in pass yards per game and 30th in rush yards per game. Um, but they've had some success due to some great O-line play. They've allowed zero sacks through two games. Uh, they also rank third in the league, only allowing two and a half quarterback hits per game. And they've been keeping drives alive. They rank seventh in series conversion rate. They've been um, good on third and fourth down as well, converting almost 50% of their third downs, uh, sixth in the league at 47.1% through two weeks. Their defense is a different story. They've been absolutely miserable 
Uh, they rank 26th in EPA per play allowed, 32nd in series conversion rate allowed, and 32nd in percent of opponents' drives reaching the red zone. They're just allowing opponents to do whatever they want. Obviously, a lot of that due to the uh, Buffalo Bills' success last week, but still, Swiss cheese on offense so far. Uh, they face a Pittsburgh offense, though, that has been, uh, you know, not preseason MVP Kenny Pickett worthy. Um, to say the least, they are 32nd, dead last in EPA per play on offense. They are dead last in series conversion rate. They are 28th in yards per play. We'll cut them some slack. They had to play the Niners and the Browns defenses, who through two weeks in 2023 are two top 10 units, um, especially the Niners, who if they finished first in defensive efficiency, I don't think anyone would be surprised. Uh, but on the other side, Pittsburgh, uh, this defense has found some success creating dynamic game-changing plays. They rank third in sacks per game. We saw how that, you know, helped out in uh, the win against the Browns on Monday night, getting to the quarterback strip sack. TJ Watt runs it in, uh, basically sealing the game. Um, they also are 10th in turnovers forced per game on defense. However, they do rank 24th in yards per play allowed and 32nd in rush yards per game allowed. Again, they faced McCaffrey, they faced Nick Chubb for a half, and then um, a little concerning that they let Ford run all over them um, in the second half of that game last night. This will be an interesting matchup, actually. Um, this could really set the course uh, one way or the other for both of these teams who are, you know, probably hopeful AFC playoff teams. Uh, so pretty interesting one here, Pat. What are you going with? Yeah, this this game's very very interesting, right? I I'm not ready. I think these are obviously two very high variance teams. I think that they have you know significant weaknesses on one side of the ball. On the Pittsburgh side of the ball, their their offense obviously hasn't flashed so far. And on the defensive side of the ball, the Raiders' defense was obviously exposed last week against the high powered Bills' offense. Um, all that being said, I'm not ready to throw the towel in on Kenny Pickett and the Steelers offense yet this season. You saw how badly Josh Allen struggled week one against the New York Jets and you know how much of a significant improvement he had in week two going from playing one of the top five defenses in the league to playing one of the bottom five defenses in the league. I think Pickett and you know this offense may have a chance to sort of right the ship against uh, you know this Raiders defense, you know, obviously through through two weeks. Um, the the Steelers' offensive numbers look absolutely abysmal, but keep in mind that they they started against San Fran, and then you know in week two they played the the Browns' defense that looks like it's going to be top ten this season. Um, all that being said, you know I, I think you're going to touch on it a little bit, Ethan, but I agree with you on these Josh Jacobs overs. I think that if you look at the the way the Steelers' defense is structured, Cam Hayward is you know obviously a beast in in the middle of that defensive line and he's going to miss an extended period of time after I think he tweaked or you know he injured his groin um, early in week one and you know as a result Cleveland um, you know exploited that weakness it looked like Nick Chubb was going to go off in this game he had 10 rushes for 62 yards before he blew his knee out and obviously that's that's a very significant injury that he's going to have to overcome um, you know but Ford came in for Cleveland and you know Ford and Chubb combined for 170 yards on 26 carries Josh Jacobs a season ago won the rushing title and you know hasn't had a hot start to the season. I think that the the Raiders on the offensive side of the ball are probably going to try to exploit that weakness in the middle of the Steelers defense and you know Ethan you're going to touch on it but we should be able to get a pretty reasonable number for Josh Jacobs maybe somewhere in the 60s 
um, you know, low seventies. And I think that Josh Jacobs is slated here to, you know, have a big day and, you know, kind of break out in 2023. Um, I, I need to see more from Pickett before I can back him. Um, you know, the, the Steelers are obviously an interesting team if you want to take them from one and a half to seven and a half. But, um, you know, I'm not looking to take that leap of faith, you know, as of yet in week three with the Steelers going on the road. Um, I need to see Pickett, you know, kind of move the ball um, with some consistency before I can really back them. But this will be an interesting one as well. Yeah, this is uh, one that I'm laying away from the side in total on just because of that high variance between these two teams that you talked about. Um, I, I'd like to see a few more games get a little bit bigger sample with Jimmy G at the helm for the Raiders. Um, I think he's more than competent. He's shown it throughout his career um, that, you know, he's able to win games. Uh, he did it in New England a little bit. He did it in San Francisco for sure. Um, and I, I'm not ready to give up on on the Raiders just yet. But uh, boy, if there's ever a time for the Pittsburgh offense to rebound, it better be this week. Because if it's not this week, they're in serious trouble. Um, but from a betting angle, I'm attacking this by going with Josh Jacobs rushing attempts over and rushing yards overs. I know a lot of people out there are going to look at last week, nine carries for minus two yards and absolutely cringe at the fact that I'm saying this. Um, but it's been a super slow start. They obviously got dominated by the bills and had to really go away from the rush game. Um, Jacobs averaging just 23 yards per game on 14 carries per game this year obviously not great numbers. Um, so I also think that works in our favor here to get some favorable lines. Like you said, I would expect this number to be no higher than in the sixties or, or low seventies. Um, but this is a game. Okay. So I don't expect the Steelers offense to be able to jump out to a big lead despite this Raiders defense being pretty subpar. Um, I, I just, you know, there hasn't been a ton of explosiveness. They've struggled to run the ball with Najee Harris over the last couple seasons now. Um, and I'm just not sure that this is a, a team that I'm like, I'm okay betting against this Steelers offense from a game script perspective. I think the Raiders are going to want to run the ball a lot. Um, to exploit a weak rushing defense for the Steelers that you talked about a little bit, Pat. And also just when you're playing a guy like TJ Watt, you really don't want to let him make his mark on the game. And the way that you do that is by dropping back 40 times and letting him rush the passer. So I think they're going to stay with the run game as long as they can in this one. And I think that that's how they'll, you know, keep this game close. Um, but Josh Jacobs, despite the slow start here, he's a guy who's a little bit over four yards uh, you know, on average per carry, he's, you know, at about two and a half this year. He's a guy who's a career about, you know, mid seventies, low eighties, at least rushing yards per game guy. Um, obviously a slow start to the year in that department as well, but you just don't lose it as fast as he is appearing to Going into this year, he was a 1,600-yard rusher. He's rushed for 1,000 yards, three out of his first four career um, seasons. I'm betting on Jacobs to have a bounce-back performance. I think this is a good spot. All right. That is all for the Week 3 preview, Pat. Before we go, I want to give uh, the listeners a teaser of the week. Uh, that we have discussed off the air um, and we will, you know, hopefully bring this 
um, to the pod more often. If, if there's a good teaser of the week, we will bring it. If there's not, you know, no reason to force it. But this week, we believe we found a nice teaser that we do like. Um, we are going to put this out in the newsletter as well and probably talk about it on Twitter. Um, so make sure you check it out there. But the teaser of the week, week three, uh, is going to be the New Orleans Saints, moving them from plus two out to plus eight at Green Bay. And we're going to pair that with your favorite teaser leg of the week, Pat. That is the Baltimore Ravens from minus seven and a half down to minus one and a half versus the Colts. Uh, we're getting both of these games through the key numbers of three and seven. Uh, we expect Baltimore to take care of just a weaker opponent uh, in Indianapolis. Baltimore at home facing Gardner Minshew. You know, no no disrespect here to Minshew, um, but this Ravens team is just on another level from the Colts team. We expect them to take care of business at home. And then on the Saints side, eight is just a lot of points for a team with an elite defense like we talked about with New Orleans. Um, this game has an over-under of 43, which makes that line um, look even more favorable. So teaser of the week for week three is the Saints and the Ravens. Pat, should be another really exciting week here in the NFL. Boy, is it good to have football back. And we will see you next week. Oh, oh.